Today on Locked On Ducks Hockey, it's fight night at the Ponda. Join me on today's Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings and salutations, all my hockey friends. This is Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez on this Friday. The weekend is upon us. The Ducks lost yet another game, and the Kings finally win a road game. Although, was it really a road game this time? All of this coming later. And we have a special guest coming up after the first intermission where I will be joined by Sarah Avampado from Locked On Kings and Jewels from the Crown. But before we get into all that, you can download this or any of the Locked On podcast episodes on Google Play, Apple Play, Stitcher, all that fun stuff, or Spotify. And you can ask Siri, hey Siri, play Locked On Ducks Hockey and see if that works. If it does, awesome! Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Fresh daily content, usually, except for earlier this week when there was some technical difficulties. But be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Last night's game against the Los Angeles Kings turned out to be a pretty brutal affair. Uh, First period, Matt Luff got his first goal of the season off of a juicy rebound. You know, Kings went up 1-0 really early. And the second Kings goal came on a really weird 5-on-3 where Derek Grant had a penalty. Then Andre Kopitar protected the puck. And Kopitar did a very good job of protecting the puck near the blue line and forcing Autumn Henrique to get a holding penalty. And of course, on the 5-on-3, Drew Doughty made a perfect, perfect diagonal pass to Jeff Carter, who scored his first goal in seven games and his ninth of the season. So Dustin Brown did an excellent job during that second period of hustling where he had to get to the puck. He did a great job of keeping Josh Manson on the wrong side of that play. Because it was a 5-on-3, there was the two guys flanking up. There was one guy right by Dustin Brown, you know, who's trying to move him from a screen. And what ended up happening was Cam Fowler, you know, or not Cam Fowler, Josh Manson, you know, thought he had a play on Dustin Brown trying to prevent a tip play. But Jeff Carter kind of went around the corner, found a spot near the net, and Dowdy had to make a perfect pass in order to get it to Jeff Carter, and that's exactly what happened. So later on in that period, Cam Fowler thought he scored a goal, and it was, you know, parked right behind Jonathan Quick for about a second before Trevor Lewis saved the day and placed the puck under his goalie. So it still was two nothing, and then it happened. And then we had a classic fight between Curtis McDermott and Nicholas Delorier. And I've been praising Delorier for his play recently, but I also got to give credit to Curtis McDermott because he kicked the crap out of Brendan Smith two nights ago at Staples Center, and then he pretty much beat Nick Delorier on this fight. Delorier tried to pick the fights to perk his team up. It worked. Nick Delorier shoved McDermott. Nothing happened. He shoved him again. All right. Let's see what happens. Then they drop the gloves. And I'm sure we'll talk about the fight much more on the second part of this show. Uh, But it was just a great fight all around. You know, both combatants applauded each other. They said, okay, that was a good fight. Way to go. Yeah, that was good. All right. Then the Elite 1C got a power play goal. Yeah, he got a high, high attempt. That was a perfect one-timer in the third period, by the way down on one knee to get his ninth goal of the season. It was a brilliant, brilliant pass from Silverberg and Max Comtois. 
but that's about as much scoring as would happen. You know, the Ducks' energy did pick up a lot. It picked up mightily. Haha. <laughs> They're getting more puck possession, including, you know, they got a long shift where Quick gave up a couple big rebounds that nearly tied the game up. But, you know, nothing really happened there. I mean, it was close. It was very close. You know, later in the game, Gibson left the bench and the shot attempts continued to pile up for Anaheim. But it was to no avail as the LA Kings escape. And I mean, they escape with a 2-1 victory at Anaheim. The Ducks outshot LA 37-27. Oh my gosh. But looking at most of those shot attempts, most of those shot attempts came in the third period for Anaheim. After the fight happened, Anaheim's energy picked up so much that it was like there was one half of a game, then there was another half of a game. The first 30 minutes belonged to the Kings. And then after the fight, which took place at about 10 minutes into the second period, so really it was literally a half and half game. Anaheim had most of the control on the second half of the game. I know there's no halves in hockey, blah, blah, blah. But because the fight took place right at the halfway point of the second, I'm going to say that. As far as the hits go, a lot of hits, 25 to 17. That's the kind of game you love to see between these two teams. I was disappointed we didn't get this kind of game 10 days prior when the Kings came on that Monday night. But Kings and Ducks fans finally got the game they deserve to watch. A lot of good hits, a lot of heavy hits, one heavyweight bout. This is the kind of game that you want to ask for if you're a Kings fan. If you're a Ducks fan, you're left with a little bit of disappointment, but at least you got a good fight out of it, right? Yeah, at least you got that. Coming up after the first intermission, I am joined by Sarah Avampado from Locked On Kings. Stay locked in. Oh yeah, gotta love that sweet, sweet jazz music. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. You're locked in with Jason, J.D. Hernandez, on this very cool Thursday night. And you're joined by Jason Hernandez and a special guest from just across the valley. Joining me is Sarah Avampado from Locked on Kings and Jewels from the Crown. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good considering that my dumb team finally won a road game. (laughs) I had mentioned on yesterday's show that the Kings are a Jekyll and Hyde team when it comes to games on the road and otherwise. I mean, let's face it. The Kings are a dumpster fire on the road. Although this finally did not feel like a road game, did it? Yeah, no, I feel like there was, you know, audible like go Kings go kind of chance happening and, you know, a lot more if you scan the crowd, a lot more visibility uh, uh, Kings fans. So they have returned to Anaheim. The Kings fans have. And yeah, it's so about time. <laughs> this game was only yeah, this game was only like 40 percent a road game by virtue of the fact that they all had to like drive a little further, I guess. Uh, but so we're going to count it as a road win, but. I think, on a technicality, barely. Yeah, I mean, the last time these two teams played, it felt like more of a road game because the Kings fans didn't show up last time. And I called the Kings fans out on this, saying, hey, where the hell were you guys? So um, something I want to mention about this game is, I'm just going to go right into it. Matt Luff had what you thought was kind of a stupid goal in the first period on that play. (laughs) 
It was stupid, but like I mean it. I I mean the word stupid like with all of the love in my heart. With um, all of the love in your heart. Oh, beautiful! (laughs) With all of the love in my heart, I Uh, make no apologies for that terrible joke. It's it's the only thing you can do with his name is make terrible jokes off of it, Um, (laughs) but. I call it a stupid goal because it was one of those goals that like it wasn't pretty. It wasn't like him looking for the perfect shot. He was just at the net where there was a bunch of chaos. The puck comes loose and he just sort of like pops it in while everyone's sort of occupied. Um, It wasn't beautiful, but it was his first goal of the season. Uh, And, you know, he's someone who has been on a little bit of a short leash. He's been in and out of the lineup. He hasn't necessarily gotten a whole ton of ice time when he's been in. But I think if he keeps having games like that, he's going to make it harder for them to take him out of the lineup. um, Because if he can provide that depth scoring, kind of get that confidence under him that we all see from him when he's down with the rain, uh, but that he doesn't always kind of have when he's up in the NHL. Uh, you know, he can be someone who can be a difference maker for the Kings in the future. But Which is I love it. I love getting to see him. You know, yeah, I, I think that he he he's someone that I like I want to see more from because I think that he once he finds that consistency in his game um, is someone who can be, you know, a reliable contributor. And, you know, the thing to remember is that he's still very young. Uh, he's only 22 years old. Uh, you know, he hasn't been around in the league for that long. And he's someone who I think has kind of surprised everyone at every step of the way. He's someone who, you know, was passed over getting drafted uh, both for juniors and for the NHL. Um, he's been kind of a free agent all his life in hockey. And so he's he's someone who plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to prove that he belongs here. And I think that as long as he keeps having that attitude and keeps getting more chances to show what he can do, uh, he can develop into a pretty useful guy for the Kings. So yeah, that was a nice moment to see him open scoring for the Kings. And you know, a goal is a goal. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. You know, they're not all going to be beautiful, sneaky wrist shots or anything. Um, sometimes you got to get the ugly ones. And the Kings, <laughs> right now, the Kings can't score goals to save their lives half of the time. So they need the ugly goals. And thank you, Matt Luff, for providing. Oh, yeah. So during the second period, a lot of stuff happened as far as penalties went. You know, Derek Grant got a penalty. And Andre Kopitar, I thought, did a really good job of protecting the puck. And drawing that penalty on Adam Henrique. Uh, but the five on three, LA executed that as perfectly as possible. You know, Dustin Brown did an excellent job of keeping Josh Manson on the wrong side of the play. And talk to me about Dustin Brown for a hot second. You know, how's his play been over the past little bit? I think it's kind of, it's kind of ebbed and flowed. There have definitely been games where you don't really notice him as much, um, but it seems like lately he's been more consistent. He's been more of that presence that you want from him um you know love him or hate him he is he is who he is i i kind of joke that um you know for anyone who didn't catch the previous episode that i was on or who hasn't heard my king's origin story um i certainly did not grow up a king's fan i've you know been a late in life conversion you could say um and my joke is that i knew that i was like a goner. I knew that like I was in it for this team. Whenever I started defending Dustin Brown, when people were <laughs> saying mean things about him, I was like, Oh no, because I definitely 
you know, pre-Kings fan days uh, would be right there with them being like, he's dirty, he stinks, like whatever. Um, but once I found myself being like, like, no, that was like a fine play. Like the other guy didn't have his head up or something. I was like, oh, <laughs> here we go. But, you know, I, I think that he maybe, you know, much like a lot of the older players on the team have had maybe more of a struggle in adapting to the new systems and the new kind of format that Todd McClellan is looking for from the guys. Uh, So I think it's been an adjustment. And um, I was saying the other day on locked on Kings that, you know, younger players, guys who are just out of juniors or guys who have bounced around in the AHL a little bit. A lot of those guys are used to having to learn like a whole new system kind of every year uh, at the rate that coaches get turned over at the rate that, you know, whole teams get turned over and you end up with like three returning players and a whole bunch of, you know, 17 year olds or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's what the Ducks are right now. They're a bunch of young guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I, I think that the younger players have a little easier of a time adapting to new coach comes in, tells you new things he wants from you, tells you new plays he wants you to run, whatever. And then these guys who, you know, like Kopitar and Brown and Carter and all of them who played for Daryl Sutter for a million years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now you see Daryl Sutter a, on a little... the other side nowadays. Oh, that's so weird. I still hate it. Um, no, you know what's weird? so much. What's weird is Chris Sutter going to a Kings versus Ducks game and wearing a Ducks jersey. That's even weirder. Someone needs to get him one of those, like, combination jerseys. That's no, just, like, no, just no, 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 no. You cannot do that to him. <laughs> or I've, just, like, put him in his brother's jersey in, like, a rain jersey. <laughs> I, I mean, so SoCal loves Chris Sutter, you know, Ducks or Kings. He's there, you know, this is why I love Chris Sutter. He supports family. So whether he wears a Kings or a Rain or a Ducks jersey, you still love the guy. Yeah, he's just like universally, like universally loved. I think that's really cool, though, how, how much everyone embraces him and how much he embraces like whatever team that he's with and whatever team his dad's with or, you know, his brother, like any any of the Sutters, all seven million of them. Uh, but, you know, see, seeing him <laughs> embrace the Ducks, it hurts my heart a little bit. But, you know, it, it's it, like you said, yeah, it's all about family for for all of them. So. I guess I guess it's okay. <laughs> it, it it's okay, I promise. So, Sarah, can you stick around for one more segment? Absolutely. Sure oh, can. That is wonderful. More with Sarah Avampado after the second intermission. Stay locked in, folks. Oh, we are back with more Christmas music. Uh, Sarah Avampado joining me from Jewels from the Crown and Locked on Kings. Sarah, have you gotten your Christmas shopping done yet? Heck no. <laughs> um, while the Christmas music is playing, uh, do you have any special Christmas traditions that you do? Um, usually I sit at home with my cats, which is honestly all that I want out of the holiday. Um, it, it's, it, it is the best way for me to celebrate is by taking care of myself and hanging out with my very loud furry friends. Uh, this year I'm actually going on a trip. I'm going to New York and I'm going to see a Rangers game. Um, I don't even know who they're playing. It's kind of irrelevant. Uh, but would you believe the Rangers might be playing the ducks because the ducks are going to be out there while you're out there. 
<laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> I'd die. And then you could talk about <laughs> it like, here. <laughs> I'd be like, I can't get away from them. <laughs> I'm but I have sorry. A goal. I have a goal of getting to like all 31, soon to be 32 stadiums, arenas, whatever. And I haven't been to a game at Madison Square Garden yet. So I'm going to be out there for some other reasons. But when I was planning the trip, I was like, all right, what day do I have to be here to go see a, a Rangers game. So I'm going to do that on like, I think it's like the day after Christmas maybe, which um, not as good as sitting at home with my cats, but possibly less weird to other people. So for those Ducks fans listening out there, uh, the Ducks play at Madison Square Garden three days before Christmas. So that is December 22nd. Maybe she'll be at that game. <laughs> Who knows? I don't uh, know. For the- you might not want my like weird Kings energy all over that. <laughs> Hey, I've had my weird energy on your show. It's vice versa. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one that said that Gabriel Velarde was highly overrated, which I take back completely. He is not <laughs> highly overrated. He's just rated. He's doing fine. So I apologize to all the Rain fans out there, but I digress. Uh, you're going to have a good time in New York. I don't know if you've been there during the holidays, but I love New York in December. It's one of my favorite things ever. Very excited. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I've been kind of holding off on this. We got to talk about the fight. Yeah, it was it was a classic. Curtis McDermott, like he like squished that boy. <laughs> no, 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 no. He didn't squish him. Not like on Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday's fight was even worse because you know Brendan Smith had no chance against Curtis McDermott. Curtis McDermott had one, two, three punches, and Smith was out. At least on this fight, Delorier, who is known as being kind of a scrapper. They held it for a long time, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. This is just like two big boys, like whatever verb you want in there. Uh, yeah, it is definitely not the same. Like the 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 thing that I pointed out about the Brendan Smith fight is that Brendan Smith has previously gotten into a fight with another Kings player um, last season, maybe the season before he fought Adrian Kempe, which is maybe more <laughs> of his speed. Like. If that guy has to pick someone to fight, like he should not be picking Curtis McDermott. But that no. is the fight where, um, uh, in the middle of the fight, Kempe like stops and just like tosses his hair back. This is the first time I'm going to bleep myself on Locked On Ducks, but Curtis McDermott <laughs> f- up Brendan Smith on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like. I think that if Brendan Smith feels the need to ever engage with a future player on the Kings, like he should stick to, Adrian to Kempe, Kempe. <laughs> try to pick that, try to pick that fight again. Because yeah, McDermott just, I like, don't know what the hell Smith was thinking there. That was <laughs> dumb. <laughs> and and then tonight, you know, Curtis yeah. McDermott had a great fight with Nick Delorier, who's been playing with a rocket up his ass recently. And Delorier yeah. kind of held his own there, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, this was this is not like a fight that you see and you're like, you know, kind of feeling bad for one of the guys because it's, you know, some like five nine guy just getting wailed on by Curtis McDermott, who like my main impression of him has always just been like he's large. Like it doesn't matter (laughs) what team I've seen him play with. Like, you know, I went to an Ontario rain game a couple years ago and I was just like, I feel like we were fairly close to the glass and I was just like. How is how is how is anyone actually that just large? <laughs> but yeah, this was not like this was not like a quick fight or a 
um, a fight that you kind of thought was a little unfair. This was just two guys, two. I, I don't know uh, Deslauriers fight card, but I'm sure that this is not his first rodeo. It's not his first rodeo. Delorier is 6'3", about 200. McDermott is about 6'5", 215. So not that huge of a discrepancy, but still enough for McDermott to have the advantage there. But, you know, what? I got to credit Delorier because the Ducks were down 2 nothing at that point. And even though it energized both teams, I see what Nicholas was trying to do. He was trying to wake up the Ducks, which eventually did happen because... Anaheim had the upper hand for most of the second half of the game. You know, the fight took place at about nine and a half minutes into the second period. After that, it was like night and day between the Ducks and the Kings. I want to get your opinion on something that was said after the game as far as the fight, because it did energize the Ducks, but it did also energize the Kings as well. I want to play for you an audio clip from after the game. And this is Drew Doughty talking about the fight. So I'll have a listen into this. Highlight for me is uh, Dermy uh, chucking him with Delorier. Uh, that was a, that was a great fight. Got us really pumped up, and uh, we were able to get the win. I know that that's kind of making its way out of the league, but when you see a safe one happen like that, and just the energy that it brings the team, how much does that help the momentum? Yeah, it can't make its way out of the league. Um, we, we we need fighting. I know people don't like it, some some of you, but uh, then you're just gonna have all those meatheads running around, little guys uh, being rats out there and that's just the way it's going to go so uh, we need fighting uh, people need to be able to protect their teammates and themselves and um yeah when it's safe like that uh, and no one gets hurt that's the best way <laughs> okay sarah what say you about what drew dowdy said about that <laughs> i mean we'll go in reverse order because i was just thinking about this as he said it and where he goes no one got hurt they're doing it the safe way so that's okay yes um okay drew these two guys are punching each other in the head. <laughs> so like, I get it. No, you know, no one broke a nose or anything, but watching the, the loop of this, like both of those guys land punches to each other's heads, which last time I checked is where the brain was. And last time I checked, that's a bad thing to get your, your brain all <laughs> shaken up. Right. Um, so, you know, from that perspective of no one got hurt, knowing what we know, even though Gary Bettman does not say this, um, and in fact, actively disagrees with it, um, knowing what we know about, you know, CTE and chronic uh, brain injuries and how that affects you later on in your life. Um, I don't think you can actually say no one got hurt, even though the worst thing that happened in this, you know, immediate aftermath was like, Curtis McDermott with some bloody knuckles like yeah. okay fine um you know I I I like I have accepted that this is just the way that hockey is I don't think it needs to be this way um you know I've said it on my show before and on in things that I've written of you know if the the NHL came up tomorrow and said you know what fighting is not allowed or if they instituted a, a rule you know more like the AHL where you get suspended after x number of fights or you know like uh, college hockey fighting is penalized very heavily right. um, or, you know, international hockey. Um, you know, I, I think it would be great to see the NHL move in that sort of direction. Um, I think there's always going to be the fights of you boarded my guy and I'm really mad or you boarded me and I'm really mad. Like, you know, that's a whole different conversation about, you know, culture and how do we respond to anger and, you know, frustration and stuff like that. But right. like, you know, yeah, yeah, the staged fights are kind of leaving the game, which is good. I think that's the step in the right direction, you know, but. <laughs> but there was there was something else that 
he said that I really liked. You are going to have those pests, or as he said, those <clears throat> rats in the league. We're, we're not going to name any names, although I could think what? of... I could, what? I'm just saying I could think <laughs> of a name that yeah. that starts with the B and ends with Rad Marchand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. Rhymes with, like, rhymes with Grad Blarchand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we both agree on that. You know, even even though we're on opposing Locked On podcasts, we can agree that that particular player is kind of a rat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think the league, like, there all, are always going to be those pesty guys and those guys who step over the line or who know where the line is and just sort of tow it exactly. Um, the issue that I've always kind of taken with fighting and with that attitude is, like, does it really stop them? Like, you know, how, how many times, like... Zach Ronaldo elbowed Porkin in the head the other day. Um, and like, yes, Clifford made him, you know, Clifford fought him afterwards, but you know, the presence of McDermott or Clifford or whatever didn't stop Ronaldo from elbowing someone in the head. Like, and it didn't, it's not going to change. He's not going to change his game just because Cal Clifford punched him. So like in, in that regard, like I'm like, well, is it, is it really deterred when he still does it anyway? <laughs> I think based on the games that I've seen of recent, both in Ontario and San Diego and here, you know, I've seen games where fighting has actually, you know, helped the team that's behind or been something that's not as deterrent. Yes, there are other games that you've seen where you have an elbow to the head. That's something that I take offense to is when you have those those high flying elbows, you know, stuff, dangerous plays, essentially. That's something that I think could definitely leave the league is trying to penalize those dangerous plays even more yeah yeah they if, if they're gonna if they're going to try to say that they're serious about you know cutting down on injuries and cutting down on dirty plays like that's yeah if, if i had to pick like right now okay you can either outlaw fighting or you can actually penalize guys who deliver headshots like that. Um, I'm going to pick that one. Like, so am I. <laughs> no question. No question. <laughs> I would rather get rid of those deliberate headshots. I thought it was weird that there was a three game suspension by Garnet Hathaway for spitting. You know, if you're going to penalize a guy three games for spitting, don't you think you'd penalize them more for those kind of dirty hits to the head? Yeah, it's very, very uneven. There was the day after or the same day that um, Ronaldo elbowed uh, Prohorkin in the head. There was a, a tweet from someone who just who had who basically like laid out like just in the past, you know, X number of days, like two or three days or something. All of the guys who left the game because of some sort of head contact um, or and were either in concussion protocol or were pulled by the spotters or whatever. And it was like a list that took two tweets to make. Um, you know, and it was, there was like one guy or two guys who accident who got, you know, hit with a puck, which is different. And that is part of hockey, unfortunately, but most of them were the kind of things like Ronaldo or I think, uh, Brendan Smith just got, um, he hit Cody glass from the Vegas golden Knights. They're a really talented rookie player. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and got fined for that. Like, okay, you're fining him. Like, that's it. That's all you got. Like, really? <laughs> like, yeah. All right. So what else do you have to say about Drew Doughty? Any more about that quote or anything else you want to say about Drew Doughty? I will say that one thing that especially in the past couple of years since he's, you know, got a letter on his sweater now and is someone who does talk a lot more to the media and everything that I do 
at least find it refreshing that he is going to say just whatever he thinks. Um, and regardless <laughs> of the consequences, regardless of the fact that he's going to get mad later because he's going to think people are quoting him out of context or something, um, he is the guy who's going to give you that quote that says, I know, I, he, that says like, I know some of you guys hate it, but I think that fighting needs to stay like he if if you want a good quote on anything, um, especially if you want to stoke conversation and, you know, page clicks and retweets or whatever, um, you should definitely talk to him. And so he has some interesting things to say. I think that he is always going to be the first guy to be critical of his own game um you definitely always see him after a bad game be like i'm the guy who needed to be better and i should have done xyz better um i know that the last time i was on the show i said that he was my most overrated kings player which i still like i still i don't take that back um (laughs) but Oh no! But I, you know, I, I, I do at least have to. I do respect the fact that he is always going to be the guy with the good quote. Like, you know, yes. I, I love Andre Kopitar, but you're never going to get anything even remotely controversial from him uh, in an interview. I mean, um, I, I just played that, and we got on a whole five minute conversation about that. Right? Yeah. Um. You know, you're you're not going to get you know salty quotes from like. A ro- from like Austin Wagner or like you know the most you get from Jonathan Quick is like two oh, what are you talking about Wags is awesome <laughs> he is <laughs> he is but like you know most of the guys are you know the older guys are too media trained to go off script and say something wacky um, Jonathan Quick just isn't going to talk to you uh, Jack unless, Campbell, it's, unless like, it's a rally ha- and he cusses right yeah and, yeah and then like but then still like half of his answers are like yeah <laughs> So you can always count on Dowdy to give you that sound bite that will keep him and the team in the media for the yeah. next couple of days until they play again. Um, and then, of course, someone will end up responding to the quote and then someone's going to make Dowdy respond to the response. Like it, it, he, he's he's good at that part of it. And, you know, I, I I respect the fact that he is not ever one to censor himself and is you know, not shy about putting his opinion out there. I, I do think that that is really good for the game of hockey to have people who are not just giving you these canned, you know, get pucks in deep, go hard to the net kind of quotes. Yeah, I mean, you need a, a little more personality in the game, kind of like us. I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm in exactly. a weird, I'm in a weird mood tonight, get folks. Get pucks in deep. <laughs> get pucks in Play deep. Hard shoot, boys. shoot. Not gonna get that here. Uh, speaking of playing 60 Minutes, I want to talk about Jonathan Quick, who has impressed everybody the past couple of games. He essentially got a shutout, according to Jesse Cohen, on Tuesday night. <laughs> Shout out to my buddy Jesse there. On Tuesday night, Jonathan Quick got a kind of shutout. He only allowed one goal, and that was a power play goal from the Elite 1C, Derek Grant. And I just want to say this. My buddy Christian... His tweet actually got on the Kings broadcast, and I like what he said. Quote, Jonathan Quick, still showing he's still that dude. Love it. And that's my buddy Christian Allen tweeting that out. Uh, do you think Jonathan Quick is still that guy? Yeah, I mean, he, at any given moment, I'm afraid he can turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> or that, like, his groin is going to explode. No, or no. something. 
Like at any moment, it can happen. The fear for, is first, always there. First off, most most guys cringe at the phrase "his groin is going to explode." Ah, oh. you're welcome. <laughs> but like, I I I think that he had. Uh, a rough start is like an understatement. Like that was not a rough start. That was like a catastrophic start. Uh, yeah, um, it was. It, it was the worst that it could have been without him being injured, which was honestly kind of what I was waiting for. But I think that he has really settled in. And I think that a lot of it too is um, the team in front of him is helping him out a little more. Um, and same with Jack Campbell. Uh, the, they are really limiting the shots that he faces. They are, I think, getting better at cutting down the high danger ch- shots that he's facing. And I think that trying to learn a new system for a goalie has to be hard too, because so much of what you do is also kind of in response to where, you know, your defensemen are and where, you know, like you're like the low forward is going to be or whatever. Um, and so if he didn't have, you know, complete confidence that the guys in front of him were going to be doing what they were supposed to do, do or being in the positions they were supposed to right. be in. For, for the most um, part, it was many, that kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. And like how many goals have we seen go off of, you know, Drew Doughty's skate or go off of a Kings player's shin pads or something because or, of or positioning. Or go off of someone's ass. Uh, and, <laughs> right. Exactly. And so I think that a big factor, you know, not to take anything away from quick and his skill, because a lot of these saves that he's making are really great saves, yeah, uh, especially lately. A big... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been making some of those like huge saves where you're just like, all right, buddy, I see you. I see what you're doing. Um, but you know, he, he is being helped out by the team playing with a better structure in front of him, which is something Todd McClellan has talked about of, you know, the guys all kind of settling in and understanding now their roles, where they're supposed to be, who's supposed to be covering who. And, you know, that can only help, um, improve the goalies numbers if they and the team are all on the same page so yeah it's been really great to see him looking a little more back to form um he still you know does things where he terrifies me because he goes out to play the puck or he Mm -hmm. just goes like super aggressive and i'm like why are you there there it is there it is he's not a spring chicken anymore he cannot be making those kind of saves all the time like he used to i mean there there was literally one game that i went to where um you know, he made one of those like ridiculous split saves or whatever. And I got up shortly afterwards. I think it was like the end of the period. And I got up to go, you know, get some food or whatever. And instead of going and trying to smash past like all 17 other people in my row, the row in front of me was mostly empty. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to like jump down to this next row and just like <laughs> cut out. And like while doing that, I like. <laughs> Like my like I just I was in such significant pain afterwards and I was like I was like all I did was stretch a little weird to like maneuver out of these seats and I hurt a lot (laughs) and he's up there making splits like I don't understand how the body does that and how his still does it like I'm pretty sure he's answered his Pilates and yoga probably. (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i mean he he will always be terrifying (laughs) in in many ways yeah in a a good way in in a good way and you know just i i don't think that that kind of aggression is ever going to come out of his game of him coming out like really hard to challenge a shooter or whatever um but seeing him make those saves that he would not have made 
a month ago or how two months ago, however long the season started. Um, it's exactly it's two like, months old. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's so, so long ago. Um, <laughs> but seeing him make those saves and look a little bit back to form, you know, if you look at the fancy stats and the charts and anything, if the Kings could just get goaltending um, and also correct their shooting percentage <laughs> in general, uh, they'd be in a lot different position. And so at least the, the fundamentals are there and it's it's looking up. You can kind of see the glimmer of what this team could be in the future. And, you know, the fact that he, you know, do I think they need to move on from him? Yes, just because like that's that's the way it goes i mean that's that's how it has to happen i mean there is an expansion draft coming up in a couple of years seattle is a team that is coming in this is something we could talk about possibly later on this year and we might revisit the whole expansion draft idea next season so you know what let's leave that for next time as a little teaser (laughs) maybe we could talk about the expansion draft forthcoming in a couple of years (laughs) but i'll have you stick around and hear me do this outro and you could laugh and cry or whatever but you can download today's podcast or any of the shows on the locked on podcast network via apple podcast google podcast spotify or stitcher also please make sure to follow us on twitter you can follow this show at lo underscore ducks and sarah where can they follow yours at Uh, They can follow Locked on Kings at Locked on LA Kings on Twitter. And you can find me, myself, and I on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. That's W-R-I-T-E Said Sarah with an H. And follow me personally at Stimpy JD. That's Stimpy as in the cartoon cat, Stimpy JD. So there you go. Do you remember Ren and Stimpy, by the way? Yes, I do. I definitely do. Yep. Who loved Powdered Toast Man, by the way? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I like, I'm sure that somewhere in like my parents' house, there's still like about like playing cards or like some sort of weird, weird trinket that my parents were like, why did we buy this for you? And I'll, probably cause I I'll do you, into, like, I'll do it. you one better. I'll do you one better. Next time there is a San Diego versus Ontario game. I'll be there and I'll be wearing my Ren and Stimpy socks. That is a promise. Amazing. I'm going to wear those next Amazing. time. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Subscribe to Locked On Ducks. Subscribe to Locked On Kings, too. Sarah does a great job there. You know, I didn't have episodes Monday through Tuesday, so I actually listened to those shows Monday and Tuesday and was very entertained, by the way, (laughs) on Monday and Tuesday. So thank you for that, by the way. Nice. Uh, If you want to chat hockey with me, Hit me up on Twitter or email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Once again, I want to thank Sarah Avampado from Locked On Kings talking about round two. And I'm sure we'll be on again for round three of this freeway series. So Sarah, once again, thank you very much for coming on Locked On Ducks. And I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For Locked on Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying, hey, have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you at the rink and hey, Anaheim, Ducks fly together.